Well, good morning. And I wasn't going to cry, but no. <laughs> Buckle in. <laughs> so as you know, I'm Karen. Um, and Rich has asked me to share this morning a little bit about going through disappointment as a follower of Jesus. Um, so first, I'd like to share two experiences that have been painful and disappointing. And I would really hope that telling some of my story might just make someone else feel a little bit less alone in theirs. Secondly, I'd like to share some of the things that have helped. If I'm honest, I often fall into the traps of denial and despair, probably on a daily basis. But I have found there are things that help. So I've tried to think in terms of things I can do in the face of disappointment and then what God has done in response. So what can I do? What has God done in response? So I, I said I'd tell you um, two stories. The first is this. Early to be crying. <laughs> um, when I was... When I, I was 25, my younger brother died, and he was 23, and he was really unwell, and he took his own life. Deep loss, grief, pain, guilt. Along with those, no end of disappointments. So the disappointment of my children growing up without um, a special and unique uncle um, and they, they will now never meet him in this life. Um, also, say, being at a family wedding and seeing my cousins get along with their siblings as adults. Um, I won't have the chance to do that. Um, it's part of a life that I barely had time to hope for and look forward to. It's gone. I can't do anything to fix it or restore it. Um, and I miss him. And the disappointment, too, of acknowledging that we prayed for him to get well. Like we had really hoped for healing. Um, and instead, we lost him. So it was very difficult not to feel um, both angry and deeply disappointed. My second example is a bit more mundane. It's about my conspicuous lack of a career. Um, so my working life involved a total change of direction. Um, I retrained to teach English to speakers of other languages in 2011. However, my first teaching job coincided with my first pregnancy. So long story short, I've worked part-time. I've had two maternity leaves, one career break, and now this kind of unspecified hiatus that is just slowly destroying my confidence if I'm honest. Um, so I feel like a complete beginner, despite having been in and out of the workplace for more than 20 years. I know you wouldn't believe it, but yeah, more than 20 years. So in the interest of fairness, I just need to say I've got nothing to complain about. Okay, These were all my decisions, willingly taken. I have two beautiful children uh, for whom I would sacrifice any career twice over. 
And I've now got the massive privilege of um, starting a master's in September. Okay, so stop complaining, Karen. However, in the interest of honesty, it is still just very much not where I would have hoped to be in my, by this stage of my life. Um, really struggle with the sense of having less expertise or less professional responsibility than most of my peers. I miss the workplace deeply. Um, I really do not want to suggest for one minute, okay, this, is, this, is, this is a tangent, but it's a really important one, that being a stay-at-home parent is not valuable and enriching and challenging on every level, including intellectually, can I just say. Um, it's not somehow not good enough for me. Um, I'm certainly not saying it's too easy for me. About it's just not an environment where I personally thrive and flourish. I have felt lower and more unhappy than at any other time of my life. That's the, well, that's, I think that speaks for itself, I mean that. Um, genuinely fear might never make up the time I've lost or be within reach of my dreams ever again. And I know this is a bit less weighty than my first story but it's been a source of much disappointment for me. And I've noticed over the years that disappointment has a voice. That voice is inclined to tell lies. Above all this, this thing, this disappointment, this failure, this loss defines you. So I would never consciously subscribe to that idea. But over the years, the voice of disappointment has whispered to me, and I have believed it in my heart. This thing that's happening, it defines you. So either it reveals something about me, I'm a failure, I deserve this, or it determines something about me. So I'll never achieve much. I'll always bring this grief to my new relationships. So what helps? What can I do? And what has God done? Well, when the voice of disappointment says you are a failure and everyone sees you that way, I can surround myself with other Christians, like, I mean, these guys. Um, a very specific example, it's just one example of many. A lovely friend um, once came to my house and she told me that God had given her a picture for me she had this picture in her mind of a set of Russian dolls. All the different parts of those dolls, all the different ones, um, were different parts of me. Um, so the dolls were different parts of me. Wife, mother, teacher, friend, individual, student. Um, and even though some of those parts were hidden right now, they were the dolls on the inside, God could still see them all. She even went to the trouble of writing it all down for me, which sounds like a really small thing, but my goodness, it meant so much to me because I was terrified that parts of me were just totally lost and that being stalled right now in my career would, um, was going to define me forever. But God gave me this beautiful picture, totally changed my perspective, and he did it through a kind friend who was willing to come around when I didn't really want to talk to anyone. So when I have surrounded myself with Christian family, 
God has used them to replace lies with truth and given me a new picture of myself. There's only two more, I reassure you. Uh, When the voice of disappointment says, your family is now marked forever by suffering and loss, you have no right to be happy or hopeful again. I can choose to search the Bible for wisdom, for that, for truth in that situation. Um, A great example is perhaps some song words that were read out at my brother's funeral. Um, No power of hell, no scheme of man. Literally every time we sing it, I cry every time. Um, Can never pluck me from God's hand. Um, It's based on a little passage from the book of Romans in the Bible, which I I will share if you don't mind. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the message that death can't separate my brother, even death can't separate him from God's love, brings great comfort. Words alone wouldn't have brought me any comfort at all if I hadn't thought the speaker of those words was trustworthy. So I've been very grateful for the chance to get to know God in the pages of the Bible over a period of years, because then I find that I did trust the God who said those things when I needed that comfort. And there's not only comfort here, but also an answer to that lie, that suffering and death define me now Um, because it's also true that nothing can separate me from Jesus' love Um, and actually he's the one determining my future and my path so when I've searched the Bible for wisdom, God has replaced lies with truth again and he is turning me back into someone who hopes um, because I'm someone marked by life rather than death last one When the voice of disappointment says bad things happen around you, you bring damage and sadness with you wherever you go, and that defines you, Um, I can look for transformation in it. So there's a verse in the Bible that tells us God works in all things for the good of those who love him. I don't always like it, to be honest. It's really not immediately comforting to be told God's working for your good in this situation when, frankly, I would rather have avoided the situation altogether. I've come to believe it's not, it's not only true, but actually really precious. And my example for this is when God has used my experiences to comfort someone else going through um, a similar loss. It might sound like a really small, bitter consolation. I've actually found the complete opposite. It's an utter privilege to sit with someone who is in pain and to feel that you might have something, however small, to offer them. has been immensely healing for me. I couldn't have done it in the same way if I hadn't gone through some sadness of my own. So when I've expected transformation and growth... God has started to reshape and redefine me 
um, turning me into someone who brings comfort and healing with her rather than sadness and damage. So these little steps allow God to replace disappointments, many lies, with all sorts of encouraging truths. They don't take away pain or circumvent the need for healing. They don't placate me. They don't diminish my dreams in life. But they are part of the bigger picture of what God says about me. And when he reveals something about me, it's that I'm a daughter adopted in his family forever. And when he determines my future, it's one without shame or fear. So I have this kind of security based on hope. And it allows me to let grief be part of my life because I know it won't consume me. And it allows me to be vulnerable and dream my dreams because I know they don't ultimately dictate my destiny. So if when you next see me, I am the CEO of my own national charity that I have founded, um, teaching English to people across the nation, please give thanks and praise God with me. If, on the other hand, I'm still mostly doing my children's infinite laundry, also give thanks and praise God with me, please. Thank you. say Karen uh, I don't know uh, I don't think there were many dry eyes in the room either so uh, you weren't alone there at all um, thank you to everybody who has popped some questions in um, and what I've tried to do is group them a little bit so you might find that I don't use exactly the same words that you've put in but hopefully one one of the questions will relate to yours as well if that's okay um, and just to say as well we, we rarely have enough time in this section ever um, so there will be some time at the end that we'll set aside so if you think that, that you really just touched on it there but my question didn't really get answered come and find uh, Richard Karen at the end as well um, okay so um, I think I'll put this first question to both of you okay so this question is from someone who says you know I am a Christian um, but sometimes when I've been crying out to God I do feel like he isn't there and sometimes he even feels like the source of the disappointment. Um, what do I do in those times? Yeah, happy to say a little something first. Um, I think I want to just say thank you for saying that. And anyone who's been a Christian for a little while might resonate with at least some of the same shape of your question. Um, when Perhaps when I became a Christian, I thought it was, oh, okay, now, so now I can sort things quickly because there's God. And then you grow and you realize that the dynamic of the Christian life is sometimes a lot of waiting, sometimes a lot of believing promises and clinging to promises when in the present they don't seem to be coming true. And, I mean, your question, we could go into all sorts of things about how, what's God doing in those moments? I, I just want to encourage you, what do you do in those situations is you, you cling to the truth and you get yourself in environments where the truth is accessible to you readily. And so you get in community, people of truth, 
and you engage in uh, disciplines or activities where you get to hear truth. So whether that's singing songs or listening to songs, if you don't want to sing them, um, or uh, being in particular passages of the Bible, um, I, I think the, the, the darkness clouds us. And uh, I was hoping not to use this today because I, I only read this yesterday and I didn't want to sound like I'd got this great seasoned thought. But I read this yesterday. Um, that someone said that, that God's goodness is sometimes like the moon, uh, where the moon often is hidden and so looks like it's not round, but the moon is always round. It's just sometimes hidden. And God's goodness, often darkness and suffering and disappointment cloud his goodness. And we have to really strain. It doesn't look like he's good, but behind it, God is always good. And we know that for different reasons from scripture, from the cross, ultimately from the cross. We look to the cross rather than circumstances, to the cross. God is good. He gave his son for me. He's infinitely good. And you cling to truth. Now, doing that is very hard. And doing that takes a lot of time. And doing that isn't easy and it's up and down but I want to give you that to empower you what can you do you can seek to cling to truth I think yeah I don't know if you have anything to add Um, I think we could we could move on to another one if you want to and then and then see and so I think this question perhaps relates to the third point in your talk, which where you were talking about um, God being our hope mm. um, and what we know about Jesus on the cross, that one day every tear will be wiped away. Um, and someone has said, how do you respond to a friend who asks, so do you think I'm going to hell then? And I think this question's getting at, what about those people who don't have that hope? What yeah. might we say to them? Yeah. Um, and I'll put, put that perhaps to Rich first and then Karen second, if that's okay. Yeah. Um, thank you. Um, there's a Christian uh, belief that uh, heaven, the moment when you have your tears wiped away, joy everlasting, uh, is a little bit like a party that everyone is invited to. Um, the door is open. Uh, Jesus has opened the way and all are invited. And I would stand here to you and say, you are invited would you please come in and make that your hope? Nothing you have done, said, thought, believed could ever stand in the way. If you merely ask for mercy, you are in forever. And that's the invitation. And the the Bible also says you have to take that invitation and that there is agency on you as a human being to take that invitation. And so not everybody takes that invitation And that brings me, uh, and certain passages in scripture would say, that brings God a great amount of sorrow. Uh, But that truth that the doors are open and the invitation goes out to you is what I would say to you. You're invited for that to be your hope. Death does not have to be the end for you. There does not have to be no hope for you. Jesus is inviting you. He's standing at your door and knocking. Come, come, come. And then will you come? It's the question, I think. So uh, if the question is, is there hope for someone who has not accepted that invitation? Ultimately, I would say it's very difficult to see how there would be hope. Um, But the invitation is there. (laughs) You can come. Um, and just to say as well, that, that question did have a second part to it, which was in and around family members uh, 
who, who perhaps have passed away um, and, and there's a big question mark there from that point of view and how you deal with disappointment in that respect. And I think that's definitely one to follow up with Karen at the end um, because I think that's quite a personal thing that perhaps someone is wrestling with. So yeah, we have me chat about that at the end as well. Um, I think probably two questions. I'm going to read them both out, okay, just for the purposes of time. I think one relates to, um, is there ever a case here where we just have to get real? Um, so things like, um, should we be adjusting our hopes to be more realistic? Um, and I think that's partly links to questions about how do we help people deal with disappointments. So something about getting more realistic and perhaps some pragmatics there. Um, and then the second question um, is in and around how do we actually know that God cares um, in a world where we just feel absolutely defeated at times by hopelessness and where things don't make sense. So really awful things happen to incredibly amazing people um, so I'm kind of throwing the both out there I'm going to start with you Karen because you can pick which one you like <laughs> of the two um, but it's, it's really around how do we help people deal with disappointment do we need to get more real or how do we know that God cares how do we really know um, perhaps if I could talk about the first one um, and then hand you to Rich for like an actual answer. And I'll just talk from my experience. But it, when, I was, when I was thinking about what to say, I did think about adjusting hopes and so on because um, it is not written anywhere that I'm gonna have the job I want or you know the experiences I want. And actually there are some sacrifices in life I might make and not see the thing come back that I want. Um, I think I'd probably say two things. I really stand by what I said about that security that allows me to dream my dreams. So the God that loves me that much to save me and want me and his family is happy for me to tell him I want the moon and the stars over and over again. And it's okay because he knows what's good for me. And he's got something very good in store for me. And if it's not the moon and the stars, that failure won't break me. So I'm kind of saying yes and no. <laughs> I'm kind of saying, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I talk to God about what he's got in store for my life because I trust his plan is actually better than mine, even when it doesn't seem that way. But I haven't stopped hoping for things I care about. Because actually might get them and if I don't if I don't I'm still I'm still a happy loved daughter of God mm. for now some actual theology perhaps <laughs> <laughs> yeah I have very little to add on that question um on the, perhaps on the second question um how do I know God cares um we talked about this a bit recently, um, the distinction between living by feelings and living by convictions. And uh, in the darkness, it only feels cold and dark. That's what darkness does. Um, and so you need to find in your life convictions, and you need to have strong convictions that will stand you in the darkness. And uh, one of the convictions that I try to live by is God is always good because of the cross. And so I wake up in the morning, and I do not know if God is always good. And I may have years 
on particular questions where I ask God, what did you do there? And that's okay, but I have a conviction underneath me. Because of the cross, I know my God is good. And the logic there is simply uh, used in the Bible several times is if God has given us his son, how much more so can we trust him for the smaller things in life? If God has given us the greatest thing in his son and Jesus has shown I'm willing to die for you, um, then whatever the reasons behind the things that go on in my life, I know what the reason isn't. It's not because God doesn't love me. God has shown me his love. And, and actions are louder than words, aren't they? We know that in relationships. And God has acted to show and display his love. Knowing that we might not feel it all the time, he has acted to give us convictions. Um, yeah. But that's very hard, obviously, all the time to live in the good of that. And that's the Christian life. Um, so I think just tying, I hope, please forgive me, I'm tying about three questions together at once here, but I'm hoping I'm representing them all. Um, but I think the, the theme that's really coming through here is can we get really practical? I think that's the feeling I'm getting from, from some of the, the messages is what can we do um, when we're dealing with disappointment? Could, could you just give us a few things people are putting other than prayer? <laughs> um, what are the practical things, either from the Christian faith or other things that you've used to deal with disappointments and perhaps couple of things each just as people um, are on their way. I talked about surrounding myself with other Christians because I find it really hard because I like to do things all my own way. But there are times when you can't. The thing I didn't talk about, you'll have noticed, was prayer. Because I didn't have enough time and I find it really difficult, so I did, didn't talk about that. But where I'm going with this is sometimes you can't manage the prayer or the reading the Bible or the thinking it through clearly or any of the things we've said. All you can manage is to let your friends come close. And if they're friends who know Jesus, the chances are they'll pray for you when you can't. I don't mean they'll remember you before they go to bed at night and say, God, please bless Karen. I mean, they'll sit with you. And they'll say, God's saying this to you today. And remember that time when. And they won't always be right. And they won't always say the right thing. But my goodness, they will carry you from that bit that you've just described. And I don't know what to do. Into a bit where you can start seeing, oh, actually, that's what I could do. Um, I am so gutted about this. But here's another way to see it. And here's a way I could move forward. That's just one thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that probably the big take-home that I'd want to give you if you're living in a, a very real tension of disappointment right now is the, the very real danger that you'll get isolated in that experience. And that's a very dangerous thing to be isolated when disappointed because actually that's when we rush to make bad decisions uh, or we get lost or we go way off path. And uh, I want to say isolation is really tempting and very dangerous. So I literally practically, if you are in this experience, take a courageous step if you can dig deep and find courage to include someone else, ideally a group of people in your situation, 
and maybe express very clearly, I do not want you to try and solve this for me. <laughs> I just want you to know, to know that I'm experiencing this and then be on my team and surround me for the next two years and just generally be on my side. Can you do that? Um, I would want to encourage you to take those steps. If you feel, rich man, that is the problem, I don't have those people, um, please, the church can help with that and we can help facilitate that. We really don't, we don't have the answers, but we have manpower so you're not isolated in abundance and we want to get around you. Perhaps sometimes we just need to know so speak up, speak up and, and try and avoid getting isolated if you can. Uh, there's perhaps some practical things, yeah. Okay, um, we are going to draw it to a close there for today, but I appreciate a topic like this just lifts the lid. And, and that's all we've really done today is, is just to lift a little bit of a lid. Um, and so if, if there are more things that you'd like to talk about or there are some questions that you've got, um, Rich and Karen will be sat here at the end, so do come and grab them. Um, I think the reality is what we're saying today is God is good. And you could be sitting there thinking, yeah, but I'm still disappointed. <laughs> and that's okay. Um, that's why we're here today. That's why we want to be a family. And that's why we want to talk about this stuff, because it's real. Um, so if it's not Richard, Karen, do you think about what's the next step for you? Um, I am going to close in prayer, um, not because we're expecting a dramatic response or anything like that, but because actually we're here because we need Jesus. And we are not trying to be the answer to everything we're saying he is. Um, so I'm going to close in prayer and then we'll just let you sort of mingle off after that um, I'm closing in prayer but I just want to end by flagging the prayer meeting tonight as well um, that that's a space um, if, if lament is what you need for yourself for this city um, we believe that that's God wants to hear that from us I'd really encourage you to come to Church Central House tonight in Digbeth at half past six if you missed the details earlier someone in the host team will have it at the front but it's just another space for that as well um, but let's just pray Jesus, I just want to thank you that you're bigger than we are. I want to thank you that you've got answers that we don't. I want to thank you that you've got love for us wherever we're at and acceptance and grace. God, I want to thank you. We can never run away from that. Even when we can't feel it, you're there. And Father, I pray that people will leave today feeling strengthened, knowing how much they're loved and uh, knowing that they can find hope in you. In your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Okay, thanks everyone.